This story of Samuel is a great story and Pammy read it beautifully with such emotion. It's great perhaps because we can easily put ourselves in this communication with God. You might recall that Samuel's the first son of Hannah. And prior to conceiving and giving birth to Samuel, Hannah, one of Elkanah's two wives, was barren, while the other wife had many offspring. And for the record, that she also provoked and irritated Hannah about that. And so in the early chapters of today's scripture, we find Hannah distressed and praying fervently to God for a child. A male child, to be exact. Because in ancient Israel, it was important to produce an heir. When the priest Eli first heard Hannah's prayer, he accused her of being drunk. Now there's a sermon there for wrongly accusing folks, but that's a sermon for another day. Nevertheless, Eli witnessed Hannah's prayer and sees her prayer answered. And as promised, when Samuel was born, Hannah dedicated him to the service of God and Samuel went to live with Eli as an understudy of sorts. Now when we pick up the story this morning, we're told that Eli is a bit older with failing eyesight, but we presume with much wisdom as he was a respected priest. Another interesting thing to note, friends, is that Eli had two sons of his own And in the ancient world, it was customary for male heirs to resume the priesthood. But we also read that Eli's sons were engaging in some pretty questionable activities. And in spite of warnings from God, they refused to stop, which ultimately resulted in their death. And now that's a sermon for another day, but perhaps not one you'd expect or have heard before about how things we do will cause us to die. But we'll leave that for another day. Because Eli's sons were not suited to inherit the priesthood, Samuel was chosen and he became this really important transitional figure in the periods between Israel's judges and Israel's kings. So here we have Samuel hanging out with Eli, doing Eli's errands and becoming a resident in training in the temple, assisting with priestly duties of sacrifices and guarding the Ark of the Covenant, which was a portable shrine that represented God's presence to them in the temple to the people of Israel. I sort of like it's a minister in training, I guess, uh, learning the ropes, and that's how I came to you, church, inexperienced yet willing to take the risk with you and you with me. One night Samuel lies down, and we assume it's like any other night that he retires after a long day of assisting Eli and sort of doing the dirty work of being a priest. And he hears someone call out to him. Samuel doesn't recognize the voice. He assumes it's Eli. That's a question in and of itself, isn't it? He's Eli's assistant. He'd recognize Eli's voice. Well, that being said, it seems to be a classic case of mistaken identity. Samuel! Samuel! Well, Samuel gets up, runs to Eli and says, here I am. I've told the story before of my little great nephew Jacob who used to spend the night with me one night a week when he was a little lad and and he would just come through the, the house like a, who was Tom Cruise when, when it came in his underwear and slid across the floor? Risky business. Risky business. Thank you, Kenny. And 
Jacob would come like uh, Tom Cruise and go, here I am. And I, Jacob, I didn't call you. You're supposed to be in bed. So here's Eli. Tom Cruise like, Jacob like, here comes, here I am. And Eli said, I didn't call for you. Now go back to bed. Well, here's why we might relate. Has that ever happened to you all? You're just sure you've heard someone calling and when you go to them to see what they need, nope, I didn't call you. You must be hearing things. But you're just sure that you heard something. You know, at slumber parties when I was a kid, this was one of the frequent jokes we'd play. We would yell for one of the other girls and they'd come running and we'd all be like, no, no one called you. And I might add that's one of the more innocent jokes that we'd play on those long nights. Well, Samuel's lying down again. Samuel! Samuel! Here I am. He runs to Eli a second time and again Eli replies, I didn't say anything. Go back and lie down. Now we might imagine Eli's getting a bit annoyed at this persistent awakening by Samuel. He is old after all, as we read, and let's not miss that detail. And we know that the older we get, the harder it is to go back to sleep once someone's woke us up. But Samuel's thinking, I know I heard something. That voice. I can't quite discern it, but it's a little louder than the first time. So again, he tries to go back to sleep. And again, this voice, Samuel, Samuel, here I am. He goes to Eli a third time. And this time, Eli gives him some direct advice. It was not me that called you, son. I think it might be the voice of God. We might assume with Eli being a priest, he had heard that voice of God before. He'd heard that voice of God calling him, giving him advice and witness, helping him guide the way to minister to the people in the ancient community. So this wisdomly priest says to his understudy, Eli, the next time you hear the voice, I'm going to give you some advice. Say, God... Your servant is listening. Eli leaves, and we might imagine ourselves then. I know I heard something. I'm just sure of it. This voice that's calling me. Does anyone else hear this voice, or is it just me? Who is it? What do they want? I wonder, friends like Samuel, have we heard this voice calling to us? Maybe it's a voice calling us to deliver an important message. Maybe it's a voice that we should recognize, but we've been oppressed and rejected for so long that we didn't think that voice would speak to us. Maybe it's a voice that's calling us to look at our lives in a different way. Maybe even to interpret Scripture in a different that way than we were taught. Maybe it's a voice asking us, to find a way, even in pandemics, to house the homeless, befriend the rejected. Maybe it's the voice in all of us, you know. That voice that knows us like none other. The voice that knows well our strengths and our weaknesses better than we know our own. The voice that's calling us 
to use our unique createdness, our gifts, our talents, to use our positions of privilege, to reach out to those who, as we say, live in the margins, or worse, not even on the page, the forgotten ones. That voice, friends, do we hear it? The voice that's telling us that no matter if we're young or old, male or female, biologically or transgendered, gay or straight, rich or poor, black, brown, or somewhere in between. That voice that no matter if we're differently abled in body and mind, that voice is saying, you are my beloved child and I love you. Dot, dot, dot. And I need you. There's work to be done to reconcile and make a way for my message of hope and peace and love. That voice that results, yes, in tension sometimes. Because the voice is so familiar, yet so full of mystery. Can we hear it? Finally, we read... The fourth time Samuel, having been advised by Eli that it was God's voice, Samuel hears it again. What a great message. For you see, God didn't give up on calling Samuel. Did you notice that? God demonstrates patience and understanding giving Samuel time to make his way and discern, perhaps time to learn and grow and reflect on the real meaning for his life. Samuel, who had already mistaken the identity of God's voice, not once, not twice, not even three times. That's all we know about. This mistaken identity of God. From the guy who was guarding the Ark of the Covenant, the holiest of holy, the one whose mom had dedicated his life to service for God. Samuel, who'd been preparing and waiting for God's revelation in his life, his whole life. And when it hits him right square in the face, he mistakes the identity. But God didn't give up on him. And that's good news for me. And it ought to be for all of us. Because God doesn't give up on him, any of ever. I believe that as individuals God has a plan for our life and even in times of uncertainty or even when we aren't particularly open to that call God is present and persistent. As a community here at Bluegrass we have seen the presence of God in remarkable ways. This church throughout its short history has felt the presence of God through transitions and challenges through loss of pillars in our church who are on to their eternity, and through transitions of others who were once an integral part of our life. But God's been with us through it. God doesn't give up on us no matter what. God continues to call and to be that inner voice of our conscience and provide divine revelation and guidance for our lives. In times of corona, a voice that may say, breathe with a mask on. Be still and know, I'm God. 
a voice that reminds us how deeply loved we are. Oh yeah, God didn't give up on Samuel, but did you notice something else? Samuel didn't stop responding. I mean, let's face it. After getting out of bed three times to answer a voice, and all three times you hear, you're hearing things, brother. Go back to bed. We sort of understand if Samuel put his head in a pillow and tried to resume his sleep when he heard the fourth call. I'm obviously hearing something again. But he didn't. That fourth time, he answered the call. For no matter how crazy it seemed to everybody else, Samuel knew that he heard something. So just as God showed patience and perseverance with Samuel, so did Samuel show the same with God. He didn't discount the voice because it wasn't clear that God was speaking to him. He didn't run from the voice or ignore it just because he couldn't clearly identify the voice or the purpose. And when on the advice of Eli he thought that just maybe this might be God calling, he stated very humbly and very simply, God, speak. I'm listening. And the lesson here perhaps is maybe what's most important in our lives is not always knowing exactly what God wants us to do. Yet what's important is to remain receptive and open to God's possibilities for our lives, possibilities that we cannot see, or possibilities for our church or for our world. For you see, I believe that any conversation, even with God, is greatly enhanced when it is a dialogue. With both parties of the communication are willing to be open and vulnerable and honest, gut, raw, honest. Sometimes in the busyness or the craziness of our lives, there's a tendency to allow the voice in our life to be drowned out by other voices. And I bet I'm not the only one that has been there and will be again when I've allowed other voices to drown out the voice of what God's telling me. Maybe it's our fear of the unknown. Maybe it's hurt or grief or apprehension or any number of human frailties or things like pandemics. Those things can come between us and the voice of our Creator. Let me share this story. Raj Mahan Gandhi shares a moving story about his grandfather who the world has come to know as simply Gandhi. His grandfather was assassinated when Raj Mahan was a young boy. But as one of Gandhi's 15 grandchildren, he recalls how he remembers his grandfather's work and words. And so for so many years, he, he said that he pondered this question, what is it about my grandfather's voice? Is it the purring sound that gently but irresistibly enters people's hearts, often persuading them to think afresh? Now as far as Rajmahan knew, the only recording of Gandhi speaking in English was made in 1931 in London. But in 2008, 60 years after his grandfather's assassination, Raj Mahan had a chance encounter. 
He was approached by a man named John Cosgrove who appeared at his table in Washington, D.C. at a restaurant and told him that he had another copy of his grandfather's voice. Raj Mahan recalls how after he returned to his university office in Illinois a few days later, Mr. Cosgrove had emailed him a copy of this recording. First, there was a little coughing, and then the voice, clear, gentle, and earnest. A once familiar cough and voice as warm now as it has felt to me 60 years ago. I realize how much I love that voice and how much I've missed it. And then I had a stunning recollection. I was actually present with my siblings and parents when my grandfather gave that talk before thousands of people. The realization of what my grandfather means to me and the power of his dream flooded all over me once again. Just as God called Samuel and many others, God calls us today. In these lessons from Samuel, will we be bold enough to keep yearning and keep running toward the voice? Will we be earnest enough to listen carefully, to discern that call of God calling, calling us to maybe parts unknown in our lives? And then when the time is right, will we be courageous enough to answer the call? Maybe if we listen close enough, friends, we'll realize just how much we've missed that voice. It'll be like the voice of Gandhi to his grandson. We can hear that voice of God gently but just as irresistibly entering our hearts and persuading us to think afresh for ways to achieve God's vision of hope and peace and love for all creation. And then perhaps like Rahajaman, perhaps we too will have a stunning recollection that God's voice has been with us all along our life's journey, calling us to better ways of being and doing, calling us to love ourselves so that then we can likewise love others. That reassuring voice calling our, calming our fears and clearing our vision, maybe we will sense its familiarity as well. Or maybe we yearn to hear it this morning for the very first time. Giving us the assurance that God's presence and God's voice will always be with us. Even when we mistake the identity. God's and ours. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.